grace and truth. When you hear those two words, what do you think of? Do you think of the Bible? Do you think of our society, our legal system? Do you think you can have one without the other? What do you think about it? Join me today as I talk about grace and truth, how it relates to my parenting skills, how it relates to my life and our legal system. And if there's anything we can do to turn some things around in our legal system. Today, let's do a background check on some grace and truth. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and, and not be afraid to say, go, go ahead, check my background. My name is Jaden Gum, and this is Background Check. You already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down now. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to Background Check. Hey everyone, welcome to Background Check Podcast, brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with the past realize their future. I'm your host, Jaden Gum, and it's great to be here today. If you want to know more information about Forgiven Felons, check us out on the website, especially if you have a loved one that's incarcerated and that might need a place to parole to. Check out the house page. There's an application process that you can download and send to your loved one and have them send it back to the address on the application. So, uh, but here at Background Check Podcast, what we do is we just encourage, we inspire, we motivate, we inform uh, in a way that helps everyone whose life has been impacted by incarceration navigate life after a background check. We'll have some interviews with people on that help navigate life. Uh, for people with a background check. And then we'll have some inspiring and motivational stories from people who have a background that have risen above it, not let their past define them. And now they're sharing their story and, and, and they've become a success. So go to ForgivenFellows.org, check out some of the old stories, check out the documentary on Roku TV. Also, if you uh, want to donate to the ministry, check out the donate page on our website, but you can also donate in other ways. You could donate by whenever you purchase something on Amazon. Uh, do it at smile.amazon.com. Log in with your regular Amazon credentials and then choose Forgiven Felons as your charity. And every time you buy something off Amazon, they give like 1% or 2% towards Forgiven Felons. And over time, all that little bit adds up. If you want to also do Roundup, the Roundup app on your smartphone, connect one of your debit, credit cards, whatever, and uh, you can purchase something and, and get it rounded up to the nearest dollar, the change, and have that donated to Forgiven Felons. So there are lots of different ways. Amazon wish list. Also, there's items on there. You can buy just tangible items and have them sent straight to the house. Uh, you can also support us in person. Come to our Christmas party Saturday, December 19th from 530 to 730. We're going to have uh, some food, some, some turkey, some ham. We're going to have prizes, sing Christmas carols. And we're, we're going to have a, a blast. If you want to come to Bible study, we have Bible study at our house, breakfast and Bible study from 8.15 to 9.30 every Sunday morning at the 97.24 Summerwood Circle in Dallas, Texas. Uh, no kids, but all adults are welcome. And come eat some breakfast. Come listen to uh, what we have to say, what God has to say through a book called Dream Giver. 
So anyway, let's get started on this show. Today, we're going to talk about grace and truth. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. You know, one of the most helpful tools my wife and I have found to help us parent in a big picture sort of way are the four stages of parenting that Andy Stanley has in one of his videos. We found it right in the middle of a very frustrating year of discipline with uh, Jessalyn. I think she was five, and it seemed we were having to discipline her almost every single day. And by discipline, yes, I mean sometimes spanking her on her little bottom. And, of, of course, I'm finding out right now that it wasn't very hard because she informed me that I don't spank as hard as Mommy does. <laughs> uh, you know, we never go overboard and, and, and never wanted to really spank her twice in a day, but, man, it seemed like she deserved one every hour. And I remember my mom telling me that I was the same way. You know, Andy's four stages of parenting went something like this. Ages zero to five are the discipline years. These are the years that you teach your kids that there are consequences for their behavior. Ages five to 12 are the training years. For this age group, uh, they, they said it's, it's better to concentrate on putting the why behind the what of the family rules and expectations. In other words, let's talk about why you're acting the way you're acting and why we should act differently. Ages 12 to 18 are the coaching years. Uh, parenting still happens, but it's a bit more through advice, kind of like a coach from a sideline is yelling, you know, what to do or yelling, talking to you in your ear. You know, um, you know coaching happens in a lot of different ways. Coaching for me was a lot of yelling uh, done to me, but also coaching was more of a, a personal thing. It was more of a that my coach was there to improve my performance on the field, uh, on the Bible quiz team, whatever. But, he, you know, he didn't go home and live with me. He, he, was, he met with me in a different way, but he still connected. So the 12 to 18 are the coaching years. You have to connect um, rather than correct as much. But as you connect, you're, you're showing them how to live differently. You know, Coach, I, I, uh, we used to sit down and watch film together. Uh, he used to teach, train. So, and then after age 18, 18 and up are called the friendship years. As adults, we should enjoy one another's companies, company as, uh, as we process life together. You know, our friends are, are some of the people that we process life together with. And as our kids turn 18, you know, if we try to discipline them, if we try to uh, train them, if we try to coach them, we're going to push them away. But if we become a friend, and if you think to some of your good friends in life, you know, you, you process things together. Yeah, you argue. Yeah, sometimes you fight. But, man, you always, seems like you always make up. And a lot of times we get the parenting stuff behind. This, this roadmap of parenting has helped us. Both of our daughters uh, are in the training years and help us focus on the why behind their behavior and not only the consequences. It's helped us give them uh, some grace along the way to balance out the truth of their bad behavior. The one thing that's really helped us, though, is the rehabilitative part of messing up. It, takes us, it makes us take a look at creative ways to help our kids grow so we don't have to just keep punishing them for the wrong they do, even though the truth is they deserve it. We, we try to find the grace to help them see the changes that they need to make. So uh, within this context, I want to talk about grace and truth in our society. 
Grace, along with a merited, unmerited favor, is the power to change. Time to change. The truth is my mortgage is due on the first, uh, first of the month. Another truth is that I don't have the money. <laughs> Grace is that two weeks the bank gives me to make things right. They, gave me a, they give me a grace period to change the result. <laughs> Time to pay is called the grace period. Time to straighten up. A second chance to do it a different way. Grace is more rehabilitative truth, although it's needed. We need to hear the truth. The truth can be more punitive. Truth is revealing. Grace is rehabbing. Truth hurts. Grace heals. Jesus walked this earth and practiced both in such a way that it changed people almost everywhere he went. I can hear you saying now, well, why did you say almost everywhere? Jesus changed people everywhere he went. Well, in Mark 6, when Jesus was in his hometown with fam, with family, their, their unbelief was so deeply rooted that Jesus could not do any miracles there. So they didn't change. The Pharisees and the rest of the religious bunch, they didn't change at least not all of them. There was a one guy, Nicodemus, who used the grace God gave him to ask some great questions that provoked change in his life. So how does grace and truth fit into our society, into our judicial system? Truth happens when I get arrested. They, they read me what I've been arrested for. This is the truth. When I appear before the arraignment judge, they clearly state my wrongdoing. And in my case, they are correct each time. They were correct each time. The truth was, I was driving drunk. The truth was, I was a minor in possession of alcohol. I was an alcoholic. I ran off a bridge one night and should have died. But God gave me grace. He, gra he gave me grace in the time that, in the way that he gave me time to change that night. And he allowed me to live. The police officer called my sister and said, hey, you better get up here. I think your brother's dead. From where I'm standing, it looks like he's dead. But God's grace allowed me to live and give me time to make things right. Did I take advantage of the grace he gave me? Nope. As soon as I could, I started drinking again until I got my fourth and fifth DWIs. Not all grace looks the same. My first, uh, my consequences for my first couple of DWIs were not nearly as bad as the consequences for my last two. The other night we were discussing consequences for some disobedience with our children. Usually the consequences involve a choice of taking tablet time away, time out in their rooms, or a spanking. We like to give them options, you know, make them feel like, you know, they have a choice in their, their uh, consequences. I feel like we've worn these punishments out to the point that they've almost become ineffective. They just serve their sentence of a spanking, time out, no tablet time, real quick, and then they go on their merry way and not learn a darn thing. For a while, we kept doing the same consequences and just hoping that they'll change. But I wanted to try to do something different. I told them that their consequences were they had to find a scripture in the Bible that talked about children obeying their parents, write it out and give us a presentation on why it's important to obey your parents. Man, you'd have thought I told them they couldn't have ice cream for the rest of their lives. Immediately, they started with the excuses and the I can'ts and the what ifs. They explained 
They don't know how to look up Scripture. And now they were going to get in more trouble for not finishing the assignment. But then I walked them through some scenarios where they can ask Alexa or Google for help. And their eyes got wide. They were listening. I said they could ask their cousins, friends, or teachers for help. They got more excited. I even said they could work together on it and make one presentation. They made that presentation the other night, and they did great. But they don't want to do it again. But they got a lot out of it because it was more rehabilitative than punitive. It helped them to change and to see the need for change, not just punishing them for not changing. We as a nation are very good at punitive. We love to punish. We love to punish people that haven't even committed crimes. We'll make stuff up, coerce witnesses into giving false testimony just so we can punish someone for something. We've been doing it for a long time. We, we make laws just so we can punish people. We love to punish our spouses for stuff they said or did to us. We punish them with silent treatments, bitterness, unforgiveness. But what would happen if we used grace to help our spouses grow together with us? What would happen if our legal system... I don't call it justice system anymore because there's hardly any justice that comes out of it. What if our legal system was more rehabilitative than punitive? Listen, I know we have some great programs in prison and out, but they aren't available to everybody. Some of the greatest programs in prison, like Prison Fellowship, uh, Interfaith Initiative, PEP, Prison Entrepreneur Program, all the faith-based dorms, they are amazing We have some of the most amazing school programs that offer classes for trades and colleges. You can get your GED. But none of those trades and colleges were available to me. They weren't because uh, I didn't have enough time. I didn't have a life sentence. I didn't have a long term. Uh, I, I don't think you can get into PEP unless you're within three years of your release date. But what if, what if we didn't just have Uh, faith-based dorms? What if we had faith-based prisons? The whole prison instead of just a dorm. What What if the whole prison system was a school or a college instead of a prison? What if prison was all about educating each inmate with something? Every day they had to go to school and learn from a teacher, a trade, a skill, get a diploma, not just offer it to a few on the unit with limited criteria. But to everyone, whether they were getting in, getting out in a year or never, what if the lifers became the teachers to the short timers? What if they taught leadership and not just math or English? Listen, I recognize there are programs trying to pop up all over, uh, even out here before they get to prison, like divert court and drug and DWI court. But listen, these programs are educating people in a way Um, they're not educating people in a way that brings about true change. These programs, uh, I mean, the word divert, uh, the word divert itself is, is more of a control, like you're diverting water to go a certain way. You dig a trench and and just making it go a certain way. Uh, so divert court is, you're just trying to force someone to go a certain way. You're not explaining any, you're not educating them. And honestly, these programs are more about money and accolades than true change. 
like I said, diverting, uh, diverting is just basically the trying to control the direction of something. It's like digging a trench to divert water, divert cattle, divert humans. Right now in prisons all over our nation, there are men sitting on a metal bench in front of a TV that they can barely hear watching a show that will bring them no closer to changing their lives. And if someone else comes and wants to watch something different, there could probably be a fight. A few of that men, uh, a few men from that dorm might be at a school or a program that is helping to change their life, but it's not offered to all. What if we had social education classes as well that help men and women who have done long time come out with some understanding of what's going on in the world. When we get guys out of prison into our transitional house at Forgiven Felons who've served 20 years plus, it takes a while for them to learn some things. What if before sending kids away for 40 and 50 years, by, by kids I mean teenagers, 17 years old, for being in a group of other teenagers where a man was killed, we taught them about hanging around bad people, could lead to some bad things. I can hear you now, too. That's what parents are for, to teach their kids these things. Well, shocker, not all kids had those kind of parents that taught good things. All right, so I could talk about this forever. We need the truth. We need to know what we're doing wrong. We need the law. We need consequences. But we need real grace to empower people to change. Heavenly grace from our Heavenly Father is the most important grace we could ever grab a hold of. And, and, and again, God gives us the truth to show us where we're at, but the grace is the power to change what we know about us, to change the behavior that he just shed light on. The heavenly grace is, like I said, the most important that we could ever grab a hold of. It's by this grace, God's grace, that we are saved through faith in his son, Jesus. This is what has given me the best life I've ever lived. Has it been perfect? Nope. But it's an empowering life. I did make that decision while in solitary confinement to turn my life over to God and allow his grace to help me change. But I didn't sit on my butt waiting for it to happen. I signed up for as many classes as I could. They wouldn't let me in almost all of them because I didn't have time or didn't qualify for some reason or another. But I took what I could and I purposed in my heart to make the changes I could on my own. Some changes or decisions during the change are 100% my responsibility. So in other words, if somebody, if the bank gives me the grace period of two weeks to pay, I have a responsibility to go get that money during that grace period and make the payment. So for me, grace was prison. God had grace on me and gave me prison instead of letting the devil take my life. And so during that three years, I used that grace. Eventually, when I landed up in solitary confinement, I used that grace to help me give me the power to change. If all people just cried out to God for his grace, get saved, and turn from their wicked ways, it would be great. But we aren't doing that. So what if our system was a system that operated in grace along with truth? Listen, I'm all for separation of church and state, but we can't separate grace and truth. When we do, we become an unbalanced individual, and when we do it as a society, 
our society becomes very unbalanced. What's the answer? Our legal system needs to get saved by grace. You know, we punish people in our judicial system if they can't afford good lawyers by over-sentencing them or wrongfully convicting them. We punish them again by, by not prioritizing their rehabilitation inside prison. Then we punish them again during the parole process. If you only knew how many people turned down their own parole to stay in prison to serve their whole sentences, you'd be like, what? Are you crazy? Parole is a, is a huge punishment as well. It's not freedom at all. Guys and gals all over, not just our guys at Forgiven Felons, are being told they have to leave work to report, to give a drug test, or be at home for a home visit. People are losing their jobs because of our parole system. We had one guy a few years back get told by his officer he couldn't work three different jobs that he was offered. Three. He spent 25 years in prison only to get out to his freedom to be told he can't work the first three jobs he was offered because they didn't fit into the parole officer's schedule. Then he was pressured by the same parole officer to pay his parole fees. I know, I know. You're saying just don't break the law, but come on. It's like punishing my kid, Jessa, three times for the same, for the same thing she did bad in the past. You know, just as we evaluate as parents our kids' punishment and discipline as, as they change, as they get older, because the old way becomes ineffective, we as a society should do the same. Just as we look at ourselves in the mirror and see that, 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 that fourth or fifth diet and exercise plan didn't work and it's time for a fresh new approach, someone should take a serious look at our legal system and help us come up with a better approach. But because there's so much money involved at every level and because no one wants to be the first to suggest major changes and look soft on crime, it's going to take a miracle. We need oversight in the state of Texas for the prison system. There's nobody that holds them accountable. I know you think there is, but there isn't. And in our prison, the state prison system is the largest for-profit. It is a for-profit system. For-profit business. Yes, they have private prisons they also make money off of, and those private prisons make money for their pockets. But make no mistake, the, the state prison is the largest for-profit prison. I believe that one day we can change our legal system. I believe that one day we can not send innocent people to prison. I believe one day that we can take a look at teenagers and say, man, what if we gave them some different kind of help rather than just sentence them to prison for 40 years like they did Daniel? I believe there's some good people out there that aren't afraid to look soft on crime. I believe there's some people out there that aren't afraid to hold the Texas Department of Criminal Justice accountable. Are the people that work to text Department of Criminal Justice, are, are they at fault? No, I think they're just part of a system that's been in place so long that nobody else knows any other way to do it other than this way we've been doing it for years. I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep praying. I'm going to find a way to lobby, and um, I think we can do it. I don't know about you. Let's pray it out. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your grace and truth. I thank you that, that you show me the truth 
of who I am, but your grace allows me to be more like you. Your grace allows me the power to, to take responsibility of the truth that you presented to me and make changes where necessary. I thank you for both because without, without both, we'd be very unbalanced. We'd be very, just, we wouldn't be a whole person. So, Father, I speak grace and truth over our judicial system, our legal system, uh, over the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, over parole. I speak grace and truth to everyone listening right now. Father, I just thank you that you do give us grace, and that grace allows us to find a better way, to find a better way, and I thank you for that better way. Give everyone that's listening to this podcast everything they need, the truth and grace that they need to get through this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, thank you for listening, and uh, I'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast, brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.